having a cataclysmic week. Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my amigo, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how are you doing on this fine evening? Uh, hello, my name is Jacob. I've been given the great <laughs> honor to podcast about Avatar. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we had Jacob D on the pod with us today. <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, Zach. That that lady is creepy. I know, uh, and the music cues, whenever she comes on, they always have the horror music, basically. like It's like the music exactly. for Psycho or something, so... yeah. Like you get all like tingy and it's like, uh oh, like something's going wrong. Yeah, like, uh, this is little creepo depot. <laughs> very eerie, not facts. Very creepo depot. I like that. Creepo depot. Never heard that before. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I, I do not know where it comes <laughs> from. <laughs> so it's all good. But yeah, how um, how, but yeah. how how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I've had some people come visit me. So nice, that's fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a friend from high school is going to be moving up to Chicago, so that's exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, things are doing pretty good. How are you, Zach? I'm good. I shaved my scraggly quarantine beard, <laughs> so nice. I'm feeling a little fresher. And uh, yeah, that's, that's good. good. I'm just, I was watching a lot of basketball today. That's all I've been doing. Watch the Game 7 yeah. of the Mavs and Clippers. Okay, yeah. How are you feeling about the NBA playoffs? Pretty I know that this is not the 32 fans. No, but, it's pretty exciting. I mean, a lot of, like, close, like, I mean, a lot of the series were not very close, but now we have Clippers versus, I think they're versus the Jazz. That's going to be a good series. The Nets and Bucks is very exciting, especially with Har- James Harden just got injured, so that makes it a lot more interesting. I think the Bucks are actually, in my opinion, even though they lost game one, I would still favor them to win this series against the Nets with no James Harden, so yeah. There's a lot. Of, I'm, I'm just yeah. happy, exciting, close games. That's what I like to see. So that's great. Yeah, uh, you know, good games are great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like I care more about baseball. So like, that's fair. I have a bit of a long way to go before I get to the exciting part. But even like the NBA playoffs this year, exciting enough to where like I stop watching my regular season baseball games and turn on some NBA playoffs. Wow, nice, nice. I know. Good I know, to hear. But yeah, yeah, good to good to hear. But. We're not here uh, to talk about basketball, sadly, uh, or baseball, <laughs> or baseball. Yeah, sadly, uh, um, yeah. You know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we can have one episode between season two and three. We can have some more sports content. Uh, you maybe. know, we've dabbled. We've dabbled here and there. Maybe, maybe uh, we'll see. Yeah. Now we're here to talk about the city of walls and secrets. Uh, this is a creepy episode. We get introduced to Bossing Say, and it is not the safe haven that the team Avatar thought it would be. No, it's. What do you think about the episode? I love this episode, and what I like is like it shows you the dark underbelly of the Earth Kingdom. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you think. But prior to this, we're like, oh, the Earth Kingdom is all right. It's no, it's better than the Fire Nation. That's what we're led to believe. But now nah, the Earth Kingdom's e- e- as evil as the Fire Nation, arguably. Or close yeah, to, I mean, you know what I mean? With Long Fang and the Dai Li and stuff, they're pretty evil too. It might be yeah, apples and this, oranges, but. Yeah, this city is like pretty close. You know, the amount of like sketchy stuff going on, a lot of thought policing going on. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, the <laughs> Dai Li here. Probably not a hot take. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of authoritarian governments, I guess. Uh, so there you go. But yeah, like it is, it is interesting because so long it's been like, oh yeah, Bossing say it's an impenetrable city. Like, uh, you know, it's the best city in the world. We all hear all this great stuff about it and you get there and it's like, actually it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And Toph is the only one who's like used to it, this sucky city life. So 
Everyone else in yeah. Team Avatar is just shocked by it. Yeah, she's really ready here. Like, this is, she's back in her element. She's like, no, like, later in the episode, she's like, yeah, I'm just getting handled. Like, I know, I know how this whole thing goes. Like, I get it. She's really, she's pretty clutch here. I think uh, if we were giving out MVPs, I think I'd have to give it to her just based on, like, everything she knows uh, about the way the city works. Yeah, facts. I also think Toph is the MVP of this episode, and I love her Judy impression. We'll get to it later on. (laughs) We'll get to it later on. But well, shall we dive right into it? Because I'm chomping at the bit to talk about it. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So we start, actually, um, they're on these little, like, trains. Um, They're, like, noticing the walls, and they're, like, so excited they're getting there. It's funny because Katara is like ready to jinx it. She's like, oh, we made it to Bossing Say in one piece. And Sokka gets on her case for saying that. He has like all these weird theories that are going to happen. You know, an ocean full of killer shrimp, uh, a Fire Nation spoon, a uh, bunch of weird stuff in Sokka's mind. Yeah. And then Toph asks him if he's been hitting the cactus juice again. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, that's like. a great joke. Yeah, that was a good callback. I love how they yeah. just use cactus juice as like this allegory for like drugs or alcohol or something. Like, yeah, like uh, I'm not sure what hallucinogen it's like uh, necessarily supposed to be, but I'm surprised this joke made it in there. It's like it's it's a little bit on the nose for a children's show. Are you particularly uh, superstitious, Zach? No, I'm not superstitious at all. I remember before basketball games, I had a couple of homies in high school who were superstitious, and I was never about that life. What about yourself? Yeah. Are you superstitious? I'm not superstitious, I would say. There are a few things that, like, I need to do them to feel at ease. Like, um, like there are some things, like, I'll try to crack all... Like, if I crack my knuckles, which I do quite quite frequently, <laughs> I try to crack all of them. And if I don't, like, try all of them, and I only do, like, one hand, I just, like, feel off. It's not really superstitious, but I do think if I only did one hand, it'd be bad luck somehow. I, get so I guess I, I guess that's, like, sort of superstitious. I get it. And then around sports, like, you know... I'm superstitious. I know it doesn't work, but it's fun to believe it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but so they're on this train and uh, this random guy who's just like eating corn, but not using his hands or something just like sits between Toph and Sokka. And this just like reminded me of all the horrors of public transit. <laughs> like I've not gone on a public train in like quite a long time. I just remember there's some crazy things that are going on then. Have you, did you ever have any good public transit stories? Yeah, actually I have one that's not in my notes, but you just jogged my memory. (laughs) So back in the day I was a dishwasher. I was in, I was a dishwasher in like another suburb basically. So I'd have to take the night bus home from downtown Vancouver to my home, which is in another city called Burnaby. Long story, but basically I was half asleep, just it's like 2 a.m. I'm on the bus, and this dude's like, man, you gotta vote for the Liberal Party. They're gonna legalize marijuana, man. You're gonna vote for the Liberal Party. And he's just like, going off. And what's funny is like, do you, have you ever read Oliver Twist? So basically, yeah, this yeah. guy's dressed like the artful Dodger, in like a suit, like three times too big and stuff. He's got a suitcase of God knows what. And I'm like, I don't even know if the Liberal Party's even going to legalize marijuana. I don't know if that's the stance to be taken, but I'm half asleep and this guy's going off. So, yeah, that's my public wow. transit story. It uh, it kind of sounds like he's part of the Dai Li or some <laughs> secret organization. You know, he sounds like he has an agenda at least. Yeah, I mean, he had a very green agenda, to say the least. <laughs> Very green indeed. Um, yeah, I, I was not planning on telling the story. I'm not really sure how it's like super relevant, but I took the green line uh, in Chicago and I would get up like really early uh, to get into work because it was like pretty far. 
And I, like, I would roll onto some trains and people would just be like on there just smoking, <laughs> like smoking drugs on the train. And these were like, so either they like rolled it the night before or they woke up earlier. Like they woke up, like I'm on the train at seven. So they woke up at like 640 to roll it. It's like, oh my God. Anyway, it was, it truly was the green line. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's so funny. Oh man. Yeah. Now I just want to go on a train to Chicago. I'll just be laughing my ass off watching people smoke <laughs> on the train. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Well, and then you try to like change cars because you're like, oh, I don't want to sit and like smell that on the whole train ride. And then the next car would have the same thing. You're like, all right, I guess I'll just sit on this one and give up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chicago's a great city. So don't be turned off by, by what I'm saying here. Uh, but yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say is I was on a train one time where a guy was just like eating ribs and just going at it. It made me think of this corn guy because like, so there's like a difference between, you know, like eating some barbecue, which is a little bit messy and like just going in like he was eating it and like he would just drop the bones on the train floor. It was nasty. But I think uh, him and this corn guy could share and they'd have a full meal with sides and all. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even have this corn guy in my notes because I thought it was such a random <laughs> thing. And yet, well, we have all these transit stories. You unlocked like these hidden memories I have of transit. <laughs> Well, you know, I feel like anyone who, like, takes public transit realizes how crazy it can get sometimes. Because, like, it's just some people who are just, like, they're just doing their own thing. They don't care that you're around. Like, they're going to eat their ribs. They're going to, you know. <laughs> Smoke their ganja. Their- they're going to do what they want. <laughs> they're just going to do what they want. Yeah. And, you know, who can blame them? Yeah. But anyway, they uh, they get to the town. And we get, like, um, yeah, we get this, like, gigantic city. And as it opens up, you realize, like, this is not your little crappy town. Like, Team Avatar has been going around a few towns. It's been fine. This is something different. Zach, how would you describe the city? Yeah, it's almost like, even though they're, like, driving through the slums at first, it's still, like, majestic, basically. I love the music when they first hit Bossing Say. It was beautiful. And, yeah, it's just, like, a vast, mm-hmm. expansive city, to say the least. By far the biggest city they've been to, I'm pretty sure. The only city that even comes in comparison is Omashu, but it's even bigger than Omashu, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's, like, an order of magnitude larger than Omashu. Like, you can, like, see, like, Omashu is, like, one thing you can see. I don't think you could, like, get even the panorama, like, the fancy one that goes 360 and get the <laughs> whole thing. Because it just goes so far. Um, Like, it's got just, like, just as far as, yeah, I can see, you've got towns. Um, And, yeah, th- this is, like, pretty discouraging for Aang. Like, Aang, I think, was hoping to roll up, see Appa just, like, chilling in the road and be like, great, I have my bison back. but. Uh, it's not going to be so easy for him. Nope. He blows his bison whistle, but to no avail. Yeah. And, and that is really sad because we've seen that bison whistle come up. And I think that they've done a really good job of having it come up like frequently enough to where I remember it. But it's not like all the time the bison whistle is coming up. But here when they use it, it's super effective because it's just like that last desperation that Oppa will just like fly in and save the day like he always does. Yeah, and we know from Appa's Lost Days that Appa actually hears this and responds to it. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. Um, which is like, it makes it even more sad to know, like, he was just so close and just so far away. Yeah. But have you ever lost a pet? Maybe I should have asked you this question when uh, Appa got lost. No, I never really had any pets besides for a couple of fish, really. Uh, and fish don't really count as pets, in my opinion. So there you well, go. It, <laughs> it's also extremely hard to lose a fish. Exactly. <laughs> If you uh, have, it's like, what are you doing? Like, that's just user error right there. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I haven't lost any pets. What about yourself? Have you ever lost any? Yeah, I, I had a dog named Daisy, and Daisy just loved to run away. And like usually, uh, you know, you'd go on your bike and you'd find her. But one time, I was like at my dad's house, and I came back, and it was like Daisy's been gone for a few days, and I, I was really upset. You know, I kind of felt like taking out some sandbenders myself, and I didn't have like a whistle that could work. But yeah, I never found Daisy. So whoa, um, damn. So you do? Do yeah. you guys ever? You never found out what happened? Nothing. No, there was like theoretically uh, like a chip in the dog so that we could like track it. So I guess like if the dog has died in theory, we would be contacted because like they might know. So like in my head canon, Daisy's still alive. But at this point, like, I don't know. Hopefully Daisy found another family. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, some family just but, boomed her because yeah, that was pretty depressing. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah, this is, I just brought the mood. Down all good, yikes. all good. I mean, we'll go back to Avatar, bring the mood right back yeah. up. But will we? Because first, we get the introduction <laughs> of Judy. What were your initial impressions of Judy? Because for she comes in with some horror horror movie music, basically. Yeah, it, it's also really funny because, like, you know how in superhero movies when there's like a train and you see someone on the other side of the track. You always assume there's going to be one shot where they disappear or something. Yes. And so, like, I saw this train, like, the the train that they were on, like, goes by out of the station. And you see this woman that we know will be Judy in a second, um, just, like, standing in the back. And I was like, all right, she's about to disappear. She's about to pop up behind him. Like, it's about to be some <laughs> creepy stuff. And it wasn't creepy here, which, it, like... I, I don't know. I would have liked the joke. It's just like she pops up on the other side. She's like, hi, my name's Judy. <laughs> I um, mean, they do. They anyway, kind of do that with Long Fang a little later, where Long Fang will is, pop up yeah. on the other side of uh, Katara and Toph when they're inside. That's, so. That is very true. Um, but yeah, so Judy's just like, she is just like here to manage these people. Like, she's just trying to write out the clock. She's just trying to make the piece. Uh, she is the tour guide for Team Avatar. And she's also just going to stall because Sokka's like very intent here. Sokka's like, all right, we have info. We need to meet the Earth King right now. She's not about it. Yeah. Sokka's in Boston insane now. Everyone is safe here. (laughs) That's what she tells him. Yeah. Yeah. The propaganda starts quick. It's like, uh, yeah. And and every every time they say it, it goes like right to a close up of her face where it's just like all you can see is just like her. And it's just like, yeah. Creepy. Yeah, and she's peddling a lot of propaganda throughout the whole episode. Like, she, she's ignoring all of Sokka's pleas about getting to the Earth King and instead just, like, spreading this bossing, say, propaganda all over the place. Yeah, you would think that they would assign someone a little better at this to the Avatar. Because, like, you'd have to imagine that the Avatar has, like more of an agenda than, like, I'd like to learn bossing, say, and just, like, live out my days chilling behind a wall. So, like, it's a little surprising that they get this, like, uh, you know, Judy, who's just kind of, I don't know. Like, I feel like she could have done more to try to dissuade Team Avatar. Like, make it seem like, oh, no, I'm on your side. It's just, like, there's normal th- channels that we have to go through. You're you're right. I agree with you. And uh, my headcanon is, like, they weren't prepared for Aang to be coming to Ba Sing Se. So then they kind mm-hmm. of, like had to call an audible basically and switch it yeah. switch up their plans but i i think you are correct they should have sent a better judy to handle this situation yeah. which is just a weird thing to say like a better judy like that's just so creepy <laughs> i know actually um one thing that was super interesting that came up in the uh post show recaps discord is the meaning of judy means local in mandarin so like 
is not even necessarily like a name. It's actually more like a job description. Um, oh, interesting. It's like, yeah, like this is just like a Judy, as we will see. And like, this is just one of the locals that will like show you around, but it doesn't necessarily like, it's not like her identity, I guess. That's good writing because phonetically Judy sounds like Judy, which is a like a- Anglo name. So that's pretty interesting yeah. that they, it actually just means local. So you're right. It's just a job title. Who posts who did that in the discord? Do you remember? Uh, so I actually, I, I don't know their name. I keep meaning to ask him. It's the Nebraska fan that oh, I'm all in. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Nebraska fan in the post show recast patron discord. Yeah, go Huskers. Yeah. Like, I'm like only 95% sure that's right. If it's not, I am so sorry. I, I don't know if that's correct or not. I'm not going to verify. The University right, well, of Nebraska is not that good at basketball, so I don't see them in March Madness <laughs> too much. That's fair. One of my friends uh, who like started working with me go or went to Nebraska. So oh, that's cool. I really have no excuse of getting this one wrong. But Yeah. Anyway, yeah, super interesting there. So now this uh, this Judy is going to, you know, live up to her name. She's going to be the tour guide. She's going to take them on a little, uh, a little, I guess, tour throughout Bossing Say. So they start in the lower ring. And uh, yeah, Guitar initially asks, she's like, what's the wall for? And Judy's like, oh, yeah, there's lots of walls. There's some that protect us and some that maintain order. And it's like, you don't have a better line for this. Like, (laughs) if you're going to segregate, you have to come up with something better than, like, maintain order. Like, whatever. Yeah, that's a good word to use here because this city is full of segregation. They just separate the poor people from the less poor people to the rich. Like, the walls are basically designated by class. So it's like the upper class lives in the upper wall, the lower class lives in the lower walls. Pretty effed up for a children's show, like, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, like, seeing all this, it's like, oh yeah, this is where all the refugees come, and as well as people that work with their hands. (laughs) It's like... Poor carpenters. There's no carpenters in the. Don't the people in the upper bowl need like carpenters and handy workers? I'm sure they need them, and they send them right back to the lower, like the lower uh, cast, for lack of a better term. Oh yeah, yeah. Seeing all the stuff like just made me kind of sad. Like, yeah, there's just like so many real world issues that this episode's touching on, like authoritarian governments, uh, like segregation, whether like explicit or implicit. And this sort of stuff is, like, heavy for a children's show to deal with. But I think Avatar does a really good job. Like, it shows the evils of what's going on here without, like, really diving so far in for a children's show that it, like, doesn't make sense. Like, within the children's show, it makes tons of sense, and I understand the message. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree completely. That was a great way of putting it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, there's also some creepy stuff that's happening in this, like, uh, lower ring. We, <laughs> for some reason, one of the people is just, like, holding this gigantic <laughs> sword that, like, if the Dai Li's maintaining order, like, they don't have, like, TSA pre-check type lines or, like, TSA security where they're, like, you can't have a knife over, like, two feet. This thing was, like, four feet long. Yeah, he's just, like, holding it out in the open is the funny part. But I guess in the lower bowl, they just don't care. The the, the crime yeah. runs rampant. <laughs> you just uh, gotta go for it. Um, and, yeah, and this is, like, this really upsets Aang. And I think this is, like, good to see that, like, you know, we have someone in Team Avatar who's, like, speaking up for these people. Because he's like, yeah, like, this is so different. Like, this is not how the monks taught us to live. And the monks have to be pissed. Like, the monks are all about, like, getting rid of the, like, earthly possessions. Like, not being confined by that. And here the Earth Kingdom has a city where it's, like, depending on your status is, like, depending on what kind of house you live in. 
Yeah, Bossing City is basically a capitalist hellhole, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. It's not good. Let's, uh, <laughs> burn it all down. <laughs> anyway, uh, so now we go back to another part, uh, this staying in the lower ring. We go to Zuko and Iroh, who, because they're new arrivals, obviously have to be here. Uh, but this doesn't stop Iroh from buying some stuff. He got he gets some nice flowers here, uh, some really pretty orange flowers. I was a fan. I would have this arrangement in my home. Yeah, I wonder why he was he buying these flowers to make tea. Is that why he was buying them? I don't think so because he like he kind of jokes. He's like, oh, like I want our place to look good in case someone brings home a lady. Or oh, something true, like that. true. You're right. But okay, hear me out. Flowers are not what you want to buy if you're trying to like impress the like if Ira was buying it to like spruce the place up because flowers have an expiration date. Like you can't use flowers after like two weeks. So he thinks Zuko has enough pull to find someone within two weeks. That's bold of Iro. And to to Iro's credit, Zuko basically does almost or like two weeks to month. You know yeah. what I mean? Because uh, he ends up with the girl who visits the tea shop who's got the burn on her leg in a couple of episodes. So. Yeah, okay, I mean, I guess you're not wrong, but, like, expected values, like, Zuko takes a lot longer to warm up. <laughs> I um, guess Iroh just knew. He knew Zuko had, like, the game that Sokka apparently has, so. But, like, instead of flowers, why aren't you buying, like, a painting or something that's, like, last forever? Don't put that clock on Zuko. True, that's a good, that's a good catch. You should have bought a painting instead, like a nice artisan yeah. painting. And there's a lot yeah. of artisanal people in the lower bowl. We learned that from Judy. So there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Are you someone who has flowers uh, where you are? Nah, flowers usually just die in this house, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't got yeah, a I garden can. or anything. What about yourself? <laughs> I mean, I try and like, I'll buy them and then they just die. And like, I appreciate them while they're around. I'm just like, just so hard to know, like, okay, this flower needs water like these days. And like, anytime I put something in a pot, it's just like, it's just going to die, like, pretty quickly. Anyway, yeah, no. I'm sure this is not a surprise to people if they know things about me that I was not able to keep flowers alive. Hey, you're a firebender. You're not a waterbender. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, painting would be much more my style. You know, no expiration date on that one. Facts. Um, but then, so actually, this is something that, this was a great line. I, I wrote this down. So Zuko's like, I don't want to make a life here. Uh, and Iroh says, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not. That's like, that's good advice. Yeah, and Iroh's correct. You have to make the best of any situation you're in. And yeah, this is just another piece of sage, wise advice we get from Iroh that we're, we've been so accustomed to throughout the whole series. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons why Iroh's one of my favorite characters, just lines like this. Yeah, I, like this one, uh, like really hit different. I think like uh, my, one of my favorite movies, uh, or my favorite movie ever, is called The Brothers Bloom, um, and it's like about con men and they're like write lives for themselves. And this is like kind of the same sort of message. Um, like the the one of the quotes from that movie is like, "There's no such thing as an unwritten life, only a poorly written one." I feel like this is like the same sort of vibe. And when I heard this from Ira, I was like, "Dang, all right, I, I get it." But anyway. No, I'm that, very it, impressed. Here. No, it's a great, it's a great line. I, I have it in my notes as well. Yeah, almost uh, more impressive is that Iroh has found them jobs within days. Uh, I'm not sure. Like maybe he got there like one or two days ahead of um, like Team Avatar getting there, so maybe he's got like a 48 hour head start. But he already found a place and a place to work. 
uh, like Iroh's moving quick. The Iroh, housing market here is getting snapped up. Iroh's a hustler, man. He, he's like Iroh's for somebody who's been rich for the majority of his life. Iroh's pretty good at living poor. He's going to quickly That's rise true. up the ranks in this tea shop and open up his own tea shop. So kudos to Iroh for growing from like refugee to like tea shop owner within the span of like what a couple of months at most. So. Yeah, yeah, just like a few episodes. And I love that, like tracking Zuko and Iroh through Bossing Say and showing like how they go from the lower ring and like kind of work their way up the social ladder is like super interesting. All the social politics is great. Like, I, I just feel like uh, I could watch just like Bossing Say, like inner city politics for days. Yeah, and lucky uh, us, we got like six more episodes of it. So that's <laughs> true. I'll get to watch it for weeks. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but then we also, we see Jet, who's, uh, not happy to be watching, uh, Bossing Say, especially because he thinks firebenders are there. He's very upset about this. He saw some hot tea and now he is pissed. So he's trying to, like, you know, gather evidence. He's, he's kind of turning into a private eye here. Uh, private investigator Jet. Private investigator slash stalker, more like it almost. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah, stalker. Stalker's a better term. I don't think that Jet would be a good PI, but Stalker seems about up his alley. Well, yeah, because the thing is, it's like he's still insisting they're firebrenders. And while he's right, like, he should be listening to Smeller be a long shot and just dropping it. Like, you're trying to live a life where you're not focused on, like, killing firebenders for every waking minute of your existence. Like, you already saw how that went poorly in season one. And yet he's still super insistent. And sadly, he's not going to listen to Smeller B and Longshot. He's going to get yeah. arrested and brainwashed in, by the end <laughs> of the episode. It's a pretty big L he's about to take. But just <laughs> defend him for a second. Like <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be. Yeah, he is going to take a big L. That's true. Continue. Well, yeah. what's your defense? No, no, no worries. I, like, I think that, you know, he's suffered so much. He's really found it hard to, like, ingratiate himself back into society after the Fire Nation took so much away from him. I think he, like, got to a point where he's like, okay, like, I'm going to set out strong. I'm going to, like, do my own thing in Bossing Say. And then the first thing he sees is that firebenders are going to enjoy the same respite from the war as him. Like, it's got to feel unfair. Like, they're the ones who caused the war. They should suffer the consequences. Like, I don't agree with it, but I at least see where Jet's coming from. That's a good point. I didn't, I wasn't looking at it from Jet's perspective like that, but honestly, that's fair. And I think if I was in Jet's yeah. position, I would probably be acting similarly to him, so I can't necessarily judge him. I don't know if I'd yeah. go full on stalker and attack, <laughs> and I don't know if I would attack them in the middle of their place of work, but I, I do think I would go full PI and try to sniff them out and see them firebend. For sure, you gotta go with a long con here. Like, if you're just going with this, like, short thing where he's gonna get upset and attack him, that's terrible. And if you're gonna attack him, at least attack him, like, in their home, take him by surprise. Instead, he just, like, announces, like, I will attack you now, and then attacks, like, it's a losing <laughs> battle, dude. Nah, fact, it is a losing battle, honestly. Just the worst. Uh, anyway, now we continue with our tour of Bossing Say. We get to the middle ring. The middle ring... It's home of the financial district, shops, restaurants, and the university. Uh, these are these are things, you know. I, I spent some time in the middle district. I don't know. I don't really have a ton to say about it. No, nah, I'd spend some time in the middle district too. I'd, I'd hope that I'm living in the middle district instead of the lower district or whatever it was called. I've already yeah. forgotten, but <laughs> yeah, lo the lower ring. I think they're all different rings of the city. It's okay, like, uh, right. yeah, yeah, it's like a like a big circle, circular system. 
Um, but yeah, then they also talk about how they like met this professor from Bossing Say and, and like Sokka here is just great at the transition because they're like, she mentions a university. And he's like, yeah, we met someone from the university. He got us information about the war that's going to be important. So please get us to the Earth King. And Judy, like, is just totally no-selling. She's like, yeah, history's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say Judy's no-selling. I have that exact thing in my notes. So, yeah, nice. Sokka is welcome to come on this podcast, because what a transition. He's a master. Yeah. Look at yeah, that. Nice uh, segue by Sokka there. Very impressive stuff. He could be a masterful podcaster. I He really could, actually. I would be very interested to hear the Sokka podcast. I feel like, <laughs> you know, he has a lot of opinions. A lot of them are bad. I think he'd be canceled within like four or five episodes. <laughs> a lot of sexist and misogynist opinions. That's true. Especially yeah, early Sokka. He, he starts talking and people are like, you know, listening and they listen back to it and they're like, wait a second, that's just sexism. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like I feel like he can yes and. Whereas Judy's just like shooting down suggestions left and right. Like, no, she is. You are not welcome on this podcast. <laughs> This is an anti-Judy podcast. All my homies hate Judy. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't because she's definitely like traumatized and brainwashed. Like it's not her fault that she just like has no personality outside of like bossing say, I guess, rap. That's true. But then I don't know. She could have helped the gang here escape That's the shit. It's not like the Dai Li's watching her. She's working for the Dai Li. Like, she could have bucked the system here, so I don't know. I don't have too much sympathy yeah. for her myself. But I also think we see in the Lake Laogai episode, like, uh, there's like a room, and it's just like a, ch- a ton of Judy's just like standing around doing nothing. Like, I think these people are like sufficiently brainwashed. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I, for- I yeah. forgot about that scene in Lake Laogai. Oh, <laughs> that... That scene creeps me out. That's like, that's so scary. That's like, uh, I forget what game it is. There's some video game where like you open a door and it's just like a ton of monsters just like standing there absentmindedly. And then like, if you make any noise, they attack you and you essentially die. Anyway, uh, those two scenes are just creeping me out. Um, nah, that, yeah, so it, this is, you know, you're right. Going? Yeah, no, it is. I remember thinking, I remember watching that scene for the first time, being like, oh my gosh, wow, this city's just got people brainwashed out the wazoo. Because initially you think it's just like jet, but then you realize, like, no, half the people working for the Dai Li are just brainwashed. Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty creepy stuff. Uh, but yeah, this is when Sokka, like, gets really upset. And Toph's just like, look, like, we're being handled. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, let's just, let's keep going. Um, we, we go to a tea shop. What, what are your thoughts on this tea shop? Like, it just looks sad. <laughs> yeah, it does look pretty decrepit and sad. I love, I love Iroh's dial, uh, the dialogue here where Iroh's like, this tea is nothing but hot leaf juice. And then Zuko's like, that's what all tea <laughs> is. And then Iroh's like so offended by this comment because he's like, how could my nephew, own nephew say something so horrible? <laughs> I love the yeah, dialogue. The- the the hot leaf juice line is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, like th- this whole place is like it does look like it would serve just hot leaf juice. Like it doesn't look nice. It's like a bunch of like old wooden benches, like an old like very dark, dimly lit uh, like wood interior. Like it just doesn't seem like a place you'd want to be. This kind of rem- reminds me of like I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but like Kung Fu Panda when they're just like in that noodle shop. It's just like not serving good noodles anyway. 
I don't really remember <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. So. I, I, re- I remember Kung Fu Panda, but I don't remember them in the noodle shop. I know that's the beginning of the movie, but because <laughs> when you brought Kung Fu Panda, I was like trying to rack my brain. as okay, what scenes from Kung Fu Panda do I remember? I remember the Wushu finger hold. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he raises yeah, his pinky. One. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they're not a huge fan of the tea, but th- honestly, this guy, uh, this tea shop owner, really lucked out like he's got iroh who's just gonna be like great i'm just gonna fix the tea here and he's gonna just go like uh you know get the whole thing meanwhile jess just like watching them outside he's a very bad private investigator like i've seen some of these shows like you know uh like csi miami or whatever like white collar like these types of shows he would be spotted in a second yeah, and I'm surprised Iroh doesn't notice him earlier because Iroh is usually pretty astute. I mean, Iroh was able to track Zuko from like while being kilometers behind him. So if he's able to do that, I'm surprised he's not able to sense uh, Jet's presence here. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I guess I I'm a little confused because every time he's about to get ambushed, he like immediately recognizes it. So maybe he knows he's being followed, and he just like doesn't want to do anything i don't know maybe he's just too co- he's just too content making his good tea so yeah yeah no, that's uh that's probably true uh we continue on with this tour uh we get to the upper ring they finally made it it's their it's home to all the important people it's where the cool kids live <laughs> uh, and we find out that that uh team avatar got got invited to the cool squad they're part of the upper ring wow look they at that made they're, it. they're part of the bourgeoisie class exactly yeah you know uh when people come to eat the rich they will uh have to dine on team avatar <laughs> oh, um, that was a good joke <laughs> oh man <laughs> thanks uh I, I appreciate it uh anyway they're they're getting around and they like start to see this uh like i guess giant um this giant i guess palace is what it is it's like the bossing say palace and it looks so much like tiananmen square in china like it's clearly um like what it's what it's like trying to evoke i don't know if there, there's a place that it's like even more based off of but it looks a lot like tiananmen square um which is just like it it just like draws the parallels here like very directly like this is supposed to show like this is the imperialist china for sure yeah yeah which is uh, cool because it, the fire nation is also kind of representative of imperialist china or at least that's what it feels like yeah i i think that it feels it's got like the japanese like imperialism vibe where it's like uh yeah like i i feel like i've read before that it's like Earth Kingdoms like Imperial China and the oh. Fire Nations like uh like some earlier era in Japan when they were like being industrial and trying to modernize. Oh, there you go. Wow, just back checking me on the spot and works out. It's no. also an island nation, the Fire Nations. So oh, think, you're uh, right. No, yeah, you know yeah. what? That that makes a lot of sense. That's actually fixed my perception of Avatar. So thank you very much for the correction. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, glad to uh, you know, talk <laughs> old ancient history here on uh, Ang and no, there. But I think it. it's actually, I think it's really relevant here because like we see these like you know people that are standing around. We hear who like the Dai Li are, and we're like, all right, these people are creepy. And when you look up Dai Li, you actually I found out that this is a lieutenant general in the Qing Dynasty that was like kind of doing some intelligence type work, like kind of keeping things in order. Like it, it is really based off like historical events, which is cool to see. 
Yeah, and for those who don't know, Tiananmen Square is where they had like the in 1988, I think they had like the massacre of protesters and stuff. And to this day, you can't mention it in China. So it's very interesting that they're drawing direct parallels to that. And again, this is a children's show, so that's crazy to me yeah. that they're drawing parallels yeah. to Tiananmen Square. Yeah, I agree. It's also where uh, you know I I took a picture in 2018 when I visited, and my mom before I went said, "Whatever you do, do not make a joke. Please, do not make a joke here." And I was like, <laughs> "All right, like you know, I I'm, I joke around. I don't take things too seriously, but I'm not trying to get arrested. Arrested in uh, China, especially overseas. Yeah, exactly. That would be horrible. So, it would be uh, yeah, that <laughs> that would be pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so we get in, we get into uh this like uh i guess royal palace are going by and ang's like cool let's go see the king and judy here's like oh no no one just pops in on the earth king it's like all right i guess uh i guess you're just gonna keep handling us i don't know i was kind of annoyed at her by this point i was annoyed too because then she also she continues to go on and she says she says oh your request will be processed in about a month and they're like a month and she's like actually six to eight weeks which is not a month Six to eight weeks is a month and a half to two months. <laughs> so that really frustrated that that pissed me off, quite frankly. I was if, yeah, if like, she told me that, if she told me a month, yeah, six to eight weeks, I'd be like, Are you crazy? Are you insane? That's not a month. That's more than a month. So <laughs> my basic math skills came into play and I was like I love if like like you know she's clearly giving you the runaround and you're just like, come on, like at least tell me how many months it's gonna be. Like I can do simple division. Like I know that you're lying to me. That's hilarious. That's what you're upset about. Yeah, it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing here that where where uh, she says like one does not just pop into the Earth King, it really reminded me of that Lord of the Rings meme that's like one does not simply blah blah blah. Um, I thought that was very funny. I, I'm sure that this has been made before, but like, uh, it would be funny to have that meme. It's like one does not simply pop on or pop in on the Earth King. I bet if you posted that on the Avatar, the Last Airbender subreddit, you get a lot of updates. All right, I'll uh, I'll post it. I have to <laughs> I have to re-download. Or I guess I can use my computer. I had like a meme maker on my phone in like high school, and I would like make just the worst memes, but I would find them so funny. Like I would just laugh. So hard. They just weren't good. I made some pretty dumb memes myself back in the day. <laughs> I used to always add All like right. impact font on everything. And then, yeah. The yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm uh, glad to know I'm not alone here. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So they're going to have to wait a few weeks. Uh, that's too bad. Uh, and they like, yeah, they're really trying to, you know, push to try to get to see the Earth King. Uh, and they're like, and Aang eventually gives up. He's like, all right, if we're going to be here a long time, let's go get Appa. And Judy's like, great, let's go. And it's like, no, 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 we don't need you. And she's like, no, 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 you need me. And uh, there you go. Now they got Judy. <laughs> yeah, they got Judy. So they they go on here and then they start to ask questions around the city related to both Appa and the war. It's usually Aang asking about Appa and then Sokka asking about the war. But they get nothing because Judy just kiboshes it real quick. So first they go to this uh, animal seller. And then Aang asks him if there's a asks him if there's a black market or anything of the sort. And then Judy, he stares at Judy and she sees her like mouth closed, shaking her head, and he's like, "Uh, no, there's no such thing as a black market. That would be uh illegal." And yeah. like, yeah, in like an obviously scared tone. So yeah, Judy just crashing the gang's plans here, not letting them do anything really. I love what he says when he's like, that would be illegal. It's like, 
Uh-huh. That's why we're asking you about it. Like, I don't know. Like, is there a better line that he could have used? I guess probably not. But it's just funny phrasing. Yeah, I guess to be fair, he was scared to, like, step on the Dali's toes. He knows how they That's... operate, so he didn't want to get brainwashed like Jet later on in the episode. That's true. Uh, then they go and they ask a university student after uh, striking out on the pet store owner. They're trying to talk about, like, uh, if they ask him if there are any sandbenders or nomads or anything. And they're like, no, but you should ask the professor. And it's like, oh, but he dead. Like, uh, you cannot ask him because he's in a <laughs> library underground. He's he's deceased, my friend. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's still alive up to this point or unless he died instantly. That's true. That's true. But then he's he's still underground very far away. So you're yeah, correct. He's he's not coming back. No, uh, he he gone. Uh, anyway, yeah, and then the, then Sokka's like, uh, okay, like, and who do we ask about the war with the Fire Nation? And again, like, Judy's like, no, 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 don't be asking about that. And here's what I don't get. So the first time I get it, maybe they weren't prepped. Like, why can't Katara just be, like, looking at Judy's face the whole time, being like, don't do anything sketchy, I'll know you're sketchy. Yeah, I don't is, know. Is Judy, too much no, you're right, but then Judy, at least, this is probably some of her best work in the episode. She's able to just shut down all these conversations. Anybody. Sokka almost notices at one point. He like quickly turns to Judy and then she like stops shaking her head instantly. But unfortunately for Team Avatar, they weren't able to notice Judy just throwing a wrench into their plans. Yeah. Um, yeah. But eventually Judy's like, all right, we tried. We, we failed. Uh, let's go home. So they go home. They get back to their house. And Sokka's like, all right, let's, uh, you know, try to knock on the fellow door. You know, the pr- person probably thought they were, like, asking for butter, maybe some flour. But instead, no, it's the Avatar. Uh, the guy, I think his name is Pong, is, like, super excited that they're there. Um, and, yeah, Sokka starts talking about, like, hey, like, uh, why will no one talk about the war? And this guy immediately is just being, like, all sketched out. Yeah, he's uh, like, war? Scared? What do you mean? And then Toph notes that she can feel him shake, which is a cool use of her earthbending. So she can tell when somebody's lying and she can tell when somebody's scared. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is pretty useful. She has a lot of talents. Um, I feel like, yeah, she's just, she's just like so versatile. Anyway, um, yeah, so then like this guy's just like, oh, like I can't tell you anything. Like I'm just some like random, like small time bureaucrat. I've wanted to get in this house for so long. I'm not trying to leave. <laughs> It's like, poor guy, like, I feel for you. Don't do anything to get in trouble. Like, you know, get that bread, work your government <laughs> job, True. live in the nice house. Like, True, he did nothing wrong, really. I don't no. think so. No, He's I just mean, trying not guy. to get brainwashed like Judy and Jet, so. Exactly. And, and he gives some good advice. He's like, don't mention the war and, like, stay away from the Dai Li and, like, you'll be fine. I think he's, like, he's an above-average person here in Ba Sing Se. Yeah, true. He's nothing offensive yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, then we get back. We go home with Iroh and Zuko. Then <coughs> Iroh suggests that they get a, a pot of tea. And I've not worked at a place that's like, you know, made food. Like, I've never worked in like that type of place. But I feel like if I did like, you know, serve tables or like if I was a cook, the last thing I would want after getting home would be to eat or drink that same thing. Like, that has to just be the case. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in the same boat, but I guess Iroh, he's so passionate about his love for tea. It just doesn't affect yeah. him. He's still able to drink it all day and all night. It would just be so unappealing to me to like work all day, like brewing people's coffee or something, and then going home and making myself like an instant pot or something, like some crappy coffee. I guess Iroh's coffee is good, but still, 
Uh, I'm not about it. But yeah, so Zuko's like saying, no, I'm sick of tea. Very reasonable. I uh, I agree here. But uh, this is not the important part of the scene. The important part is that he's trying to find some spark rocks to heat up the water. And we get to Jet, who has mischievous or mischievously uh, stolen the spark rocks. Ooh, bad boy Jet. <laughs> <laughs> bad boy Jet indeed. But Iroh is so not so nice and kind. He just borrowed the neighbor's spark rocks. He said they were <laughs> such kind people. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, so I get why they do this. Cause like, they don't want Jet to like see him firebend definitively, but I'm not actually sure what that changes. Cause even if he says, Oh, I saw him, like I saw him firebend. I stole his spark rocks or whatever. Like the police would still be like, no, you're the problem maker here. So like, yeah, I, that's true. I guess it's because of Iroh's mishap last time where he heated the tea right in front of everybody. That's true. He learned his lesson and now he's not going to firebend in the city anymore. And I think Zuko's in the same boat where Zuko and Iroh have just decided not to firebend at all in the city. Yep, that's uh, that is a very fair statement. That makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, so then like, uh, yeah, he just like goes, he gets some of the neighbor's, uh, rocks. I find that hilarious that he just like pops in. That was, that was, uh, yeah. I just find that so funny that they're just like already on good terms with the neighbors. They're just like, Hey, can I have, can I borrow uh, on, Honestly though, Iroh would be the best neighbor ever. Like I'd love if oh, Iroh sure. was my neighbor personally, just like, Oh, Hey, what's up old man? You got tea at the ready? He'd be serving <laughs> kids tea. He'd just be the best neighbor ever. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure, like, uh, although whenever he comes over for dinner, you got to cook, like, a few extra portions. <laughs> True, yeah. he is a portly chap, after all. Exactly. Uh, the next morning, we go back to Team Avatar, and Katara is the one who cracks the idea this time. She knows that they're going to see the Earth King by sneaking into a party for his pet bear. And here we get a funny line making fun of the different portmanteau animals we've seen. Uh, wh- what do you think of this scene, Zach? Yeah, I like this scene. Is it a skunk bear, an armadillo bear, a gopher bear? Nope, it's just bear. And also, I really like the bear for some reason. I don't know. It's, it's so it's such a goofy looking <laughs> thing. We'll get we'll get into it in the in the next couple of scenes. But the bear is just hilarious. Just the Earth King's pet bear, just chilling, eating all the food. It's like a fat baby, to be honest. It's just sitting at the head of the table, just eating everything. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I like the bear, but we'll it's a baby that can rip into like an entire like pig all at once or whatever was oh. on the table. Like it ripped that thing on. No half. facts, facts. Honestly, it's a very yeah. dangerous baby if it is one. And then here's where we get the Judy impersonation from Toph, where it's like one does not doesn't just pop in on the Earth King. It's like exactly yeah. in Judy's voice, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, Top does a good job here. Um, but then I think, yeah, I think it was very funny for the, like, the bear scene. And then I think Toph shines again here. They're like, oh, Katara's thinking, you know, oh, we're just going to sneak him with the crowd. This probably would work, you know, even in Omashu, I'm sure it'd work, but not here. You know, they take stuff seriously. And Toph's like, look, you cannot fit in. You don't know, like, all the ins and outs of society, which is so funny because as she's, like, uh, lecturing them on this, she's just acting like a complete bomb. You know, she's, Sitting back in her chair, eating pastries. She's burping. I'm sure she's like picking she's, her nose. She was picking else. her nose and scratching yeah, yeah. and doing a bunch of unsightly stuff, to be honest. But she she says she chose to leave the. She learned how to live in high society and chose to leave it. Whereas these guys, the rest of Team Avatar, have never even lived in high society. 
And then I, I love Aang and Sokka's impersonations of high society. I don't have a uh, Aang's line written down, but I have uh, Sokka's here. It's like, oh, Avatar Aang, how do you do? Go on. <laughs> that almost yep. sounds like Mr. Mosby, to be honest, the way they were talking. <laughs> yeah, he's using so many buzzwords. He's just like, you know, making stuff up. He's He's saying a lot without actually saying anything. And I find it so funny that they have these little lines here. Um, but yeah, like I, I've never, uh, been great with manners, you know, like I know how to not be actively rude, but I never went to like manner school or whatever it's called. Like a few people in my class did in like fifth grade. And I, like my mom was like, no, like you're fine. Just don't be rude. Did you ever go to anything like that? No, I mean, that sounds pretty bougie. I don't know if I'm ever, I don't know. I never had, I'm lucky. I never had to display like the best table manners and stuff like that. So like, yeah. but I'm a pretty polite, affable person. I like to think so. I never had any issues with that either. Yeah, like I feel like it's just common sense. I mean, we're not trying to fit in with the elite of the elite. We're middle ring. We're just trying to we're just trying to go to the shops <laughs> Fact, and restaurants. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like lower middle ring. So yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, yeah, I think I told my mom I was like, oh, should I go to this manners class? She's like, I'm not gonna pay money. Like, we don't have money to spend on manners class. Like, uh. Yeah, I don't think that was like uh, ever an option for us. So, you know, we're out here. We're middle ring. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so we do get Aang and Sokka uh, being their jokey self. Do you think that you could pull it off if you had to? Could you fit in with a high society? Uh, I don't know. It's so like against my nature. I could maybe, but it would be so obvious to like anybody who knows me that I would be putting on an act and not being my yeah. true self. What about yourself? Yeah. Do you think you could fit in with like these high society bourgeoisie classes folk? As soon as I'm wearing a tie, I'm out. Uh, so <laughs> like, if it's like, if I can wear like my, my uh, comfortable shoes, probably a baseball hat, then I'm fine. But like ties where I draw the line. I, I wore ties a lot in high school. Like uh, I did like debate sometimes and we like dress up. It's just like, it's not fun. There's no point. Yeah, I'm not a Thai guy either myself. I was just watching a video. I don't know if you know basketball player Jason Tatum. When he mm-hmm. was 12 years old, he made a video called How to Tie a Tie. And that's like been going viral because he just, <laughs> that's been going viral recently. There's like 700,000 views on YouTube. Just 12 year old Jason Tatum trying to giving a tie tutorial on how to tie a what, tie. What knots is he covering? I think he covers like he's young in the video, but he covers like a, maybe a Windsor, half Windsor, something okay. like that. I'm not sure okay. of all the knot types, but yeah. Yeah, I I was I never like really learned how to regular tie a tie. The only knot I ever learned how to do was the Trinity knot, which is like a knot that like just looks like a triangle. Um like instead of down it's like up. I I'll send you a picture later, but right. that's the only knot I learned. I was very far behind on like a lot of these basic life skills. See, I'm farther behind than you cuz to this day I do not know how to properly tie a tie. I've done it like once Overrated. properly with the tutorial. And then besides that, I've not been able to get it down. I, I used to work in the movie industry and I'd have the people on set just like tie the tie for me. Yeah, like I feel like anytime you need a tie, uh, like to get tied, you can ask someone who's around or you can look at the t- tutorial then and do like a decent job. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's, that's a skill that's gone, gone uh, that you don't need anymore. Did you ever have to learn cursive in school? Yes, when I was like in the first grade. But then I, only, I just learned how to do my signature and nothing else. I could write in cursive, like gun to my head, and I think so, but it would be hard. So I just know how to sign my name in cursive, and that's it. 
I only know like the letters in my name in cursive. Yeah, I, so. like, <laughs> I legitimately like I can kind of picture what a K looks like, but if you ask me to write one, I th- I think I would just like take whatever like a uh, threat you're offering me. K, like, is, I, K I, is easy. It's like S and R are harder. I think. See, see, R I got R. I'm all over it. Yeah. Uh, but the the K, I just I don't. I can see it in my mind. I just don't know how K the is pen just a normal K. I'm pretty sure it just it's like a normal but, K connected to the other letter. But how does it? I, I feel like when I am thinking about it right now, there's one extra loop. Anyway, I'll, I'll practice. I'll get a handwriting sample. We can sort this all out. I didn't know we were going to go on a tangent about curse of this episode, but hey, here we are. Always yeah, something I, you know, new every episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like you know, if if we don't have just one random tangent, then it wasn't uh, it wasn't an ang in their episode. Laugh back. Yeah. If if anyone has nice cursive, it is very appealing to look at. Like I love really good handwriting like cursive or whatever the alternative is regular i guess um both are both are great like i love good handwriting i just don't have it myself it's not saying my handwriting is pretty messy but i always say my handwriting and writing at least it's legible that's what i always say my yeah. good friend pat actually in english class he would write essays totally in cursive like the whole thing so he must have really? gone to cursive training when he was a kid yeah wow maybe yeah. even some manner school pat with the workout tips and the cursive. Yeah, true. Honestly, I should get Pat on the podcast one of these days. He just bought a Blue Yeti mic, too. So, yeah. yeah let's it, get him on. I, I feel like he, uh, he's got enough, like, things in his background and, like, uh, you know, consistent listener. Yeah. Uh, Pat, uh, slide in, slide in Zach's DMs. Let's get you on an episode. Yeah, true. I'll talk to him tonight, see if he's down. Sweet. Um, well, okay, back to the Avatar. Uh, Toph says, nope, uh, there's no way that Aang and Sokka are gonna be able to pull it off. You're busboys at best. Uh, so while they're changing, we see a nice game of, uh, rock, paper, scissors, essentially, but with the four elements. Perfect. A game with rules. I understand this one. Uh, apparently, Earth beats fire. Yeah, um, wouldn't water beat fire? I guess, oh, I guess there's no water in this game. It's probably just earth, air, and fire. I'm pretty, like, I think it, oh yeah, because then what would happen, no, probably, so I guess earth beats fire, fire beats air, air beats water, water beats earth, and then, like, the, like, earth and air tie, and water and air tie. That's my guess. That's a good guess, honestly. That that makes sense. Like, if if this was a real-life game, that's how it probably should go down. But who knows? Yeah. We've seen some nonsensical, or in your in your opinion, some nonsensical my, games. In my Avid. opinion, Zach, are you challenging? <laughs> no, this, no, this is li- this has no, been I'm litigated. Not, we I'm went not challenge- over this. No, you you were correct. They, they were not really playing a game. So no, I, 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 you're right. All you're right. right. <laughs> All right. No, I, I, I'm just I, I stating like- in episodes prior, we've had games that haven't seemed to have any rules. So maybe exactly. this is yeah. Uh, yeah, the the thing I was really curious about though is we see fire and earth, which seem like the easiest hand motions. Like you know, earth is just a fist; it's regular rock. Fires like your fingers are like making flames. Water and air got to be hard to come up with some hand signals for. Like my guess is the writers just didn't create them because they're not easy to come up with, and that's why we saw earth and fire. Yeah, that makes sense, honestly. Because with, with water, what would you do? Like a wave with your hands? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess you could do like the wave, like, yeah. you know, having your hand go like up and down, like in a wave. But then like air and water kind of look the same. Like, I don't know how you distinguish that like one's wet and one's like a breeze. 
<laughs> yeah, true. I don't know how you would either. Maybe, maybe when you play water, you have to like spit on your hand and do it. And oh, so it's like, I, no I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I would hope. I'm never playing water. That's a rule of a game. Oh. See, but then water just becomes OP. And anyone who plays water, it's like, oh, wow, they're committed to this game. Like, they want to win. Nah, facts. I'm done. I'm, I'm never <laughs> playing water if we're playing this game. <laughs> All right. Good uh, to know. Good to know. I'm, I'm uh, ready to win then. Um, but then, uh, we see these, uh, we see our, uh, like, uh, Toph and Katara. They come out of the room. They're wearing these, like, ornate Earth Kingdom dresses. They each have one of those, like, fans in front of their faces. Full thing of makeup on all over. Uh, and they start giggling. Aang here is just like, he's just, like, floored. He's like, uh, yeah, he's just like, wow, you, you look, uh, amazing. Yeah, he says he looks beautiful and then, or she looks beautiful. And then Toph responds, like, slaps guitar and is like, don't talk to the commoners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Great dialogue. Joke. Yeah. Yep. And then at the end of the scene, did you notice Momo pops in with the robe that Aang and, uh, Toph, or, like, uh, Sokka were using to, when they're acting all bougie? You just see, like, <laughs> you hear, like, the king's noise and you just see Momo in the robe, which I thought was a funny little joke in the background. Yeah, Momo's been doing some funny stuff this episode. Like, later in the episode, Momo, like, tries to hide under a hat and scooch away. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, when they're in the lower ring and they see the sword, Momo, like, pops his little head back and, like, getting scared. Momo's out here with the physical comedy. We love Momo. Yeah, we love to see it. Yeah. Uh, the next thing, thing we get to is we have Smellerby having a, a friend intervention. Friend intervention? Is that what? Ali called it. I feel like uh, Ali said this on an NGOG podcast and it didn't stick. So I was trying to make it the reference, but then I just messed it up. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not caught up on NGOG. So I haven't heard, sadly. Oh, it's been great the past few weeks. Uh, so if you think that we don't talk about Avatar a lot, they just don't talk about NGOG. But the banter <laughs> between them is exquisite. It's nope. amazing. I love Ali and Akiva. They're great. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so then like, uh, th- we have this friend's intervention, uh, that can't be right. Anyway, <laughs> Mellerby tells Jet that they, that he needs to stop. Uh, he's becoming too obsessed. It's not very healthy. And Jet's like, yeah, this just like sends Jet over the deep end. Um, he's just like, he's like, look, you don't know what's going on here. The Fire Nation's like screwed us all. They're like wiping people off the map. It's like, I'm gonna get evidence here. And he's just like, cool. Like, it's right now or never. Terrible idea. Yeah, I don't understand why he has to confront them right now. And just, especially with your friends telling you otherwise. It's like, the thing with Jed, he really doesn't value the opinions of Speller being Longshot, in my opinion. He's always going, He's he sees himself as the leader, and he's always going to do what he feels is right, regardless of what his teammates feel. Yeah, well, maybe if Longshot actually spoke up, you know, he might be able to get some words in True. And, and stop him. Longshot there. does speak in words in, like, season three, right? Like, he says something in the series. I I, I do think that he, like, I think he has, like, one line. Uh, yeah, I don't so remember the, it. The, but... If you're Longshot here now, you're right, actually. I didn't think of that, but now is the time to speak up. You're not a mute. Like, you can speak. So, yes, Longshot like, should be talking here. I agree. Now, now is the time where you're like, Jet, stop. And, like, I feel like that would have gone far. But instead, what we get, like, uh, or maybe we should create, like, a what-if series, like, similar to the, uh, like, uh, uh, Marvel one that's coming up. Or I guess we can add it to our uh, Choose Your Own Adventure book. Ooh, good call. Yeah, we got to write that. <laughs> that's, a, like, a that's like some homework for me and Jacob, writing an yeah. avatar, Choose Your Own Adventure. What's up? 
I forgot to tell you, I got the Kiyoshi novels, and we should like we should actually have a book club. Uh, oh, I'm down. Yeah, we we, yeah. we could do it for the patrons. We could do it for something. That's cool. All right, we'll we'll discuss it. I think it'd be a lot of yeah. fun. So yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we can. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll come up with something. I think it'd be fun. Oh, it could uh, it could be in, in between season it. two and season three as well. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that sounds great. Let's let's put that together anyway um i'm very excited to read it i'm gonna like uh go they're on vacation good. for a few yeah. days i'm gonna start knocking them out i'm, I'm excited no nah, they're solid i really like what they do and kiyoshi is a very good protagonist i feel like just like ang and Korra. i i was also reading something that like she trained the dai li like is that in the books or is this like extra lore i don't remember her training the dai li i could be wrong maybe she trained something that, like ends up turning into the dai li because I know, sure. like, the Beifong yeah. family existed even in the Kyoshi novel. So, like, the name of ba- very nice, Beifong yeah. is very powerful even back then. So, All right. Well, I'll come with my uh, my sources uh, next week about how Kiyoshi, the Kyoshi and Dai Li uh, connection yeah, there. Yeah, I, there I was reading go. something about it. I'll have yeah. to reread it if we ever podcast about it just to make sure my memory is fresh and stuff. Because I'm a forgetful man myself. I read it very, like six uh, months ago. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like, uh, Jet's gonna burst in. It's right when, uh, the tea shop owner's like ready to give Iroh a raise, like after day one. Uh, <laughs> like, he's been doing great here, but instead, we have this hooligan busting in the tea shop, accusing him of being firebenders, and they're ready to fight. Um, I think it's very great that even though Iroh and Zuko have only been here for a few days, the customers in the tea shop are like, no, he works here. Like he's not going to do anything. They're not firebenders. Like these people just like trust him immediately. Yeah, because then he uh, Jet is like, I saw Iro heating his tea. To which a customer responds with the obvious, "Well, yeah, he works in a tea shop." So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, like uh, facts. Um, but then, like Jet's like, "All right, time to destroy you." Zuko's like, great, let's fight. Uh, Zuko is probably itching for a fight here. Zuko's ready to go. He, <laughs> like, immediately starts, uh, he, like, pulls the table in front of him. Oh, uh, an ambulance is going by. Oh, good, we can, can wait for the ambulance. Yeah, I could, I could hear it. Ooh. It's pretty loud, but it's all good. Because then what ends up happening is, um, Zuko grabs a customer's swords and starts to fight Jet. My question to you is, like, doesn't this make Zuko look more suspicious, displaying his, like, amazing sword skills? Doesn't that make him look more like, why does this random refugee so proficient with the sword? I don't know. If I were him, I wouldn't have engaged and just let, like, the police handle it. Yeah, I think he's got a fine excuse. Like, he clearly has a burn on his face, so he can say, like, oh, no, like, I was a swords fighter and I got burned by the Fire Nation. Like, I feel like there's a story. That's fair. Um, but, yeah. Uh, all I know is that Jet just got carted off in an ambulance by my road. I just, I just heard it. <laughs> well, that's good. At least he's still alive in our world. Well, for now, he's about to go get brainwashed. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, they really start fighting. And it's pretty funny here that they like start fighting. And one of his first moves is to like get a table and kick it at him. Like his first, Zuko's first move is to destroy the table. Like I agree that table needs upgrades, but you probably shouldn't go around destroying stuff. True, he, you work in this place, probably coming out of Zuko's next paycheck. Iroh's just exactly. raking in all the money, meanwhile Zuko's toiling away and having tables <laughs> taken out of his paycheck. Zuko yeah. must not be enjoying life in the tea shop right about now. And you know in the lower ring there's no minimum wage. Like, these people work on tips, they have to. Like, yeah, they're 100%. definitely, yeah, they're in the evil tip culture. Anyway, 
Um, they get they get back. Uh, we go back to the team avatar. They're trying to get into this meeting. Toffier shows her little Beifong badge, tries to, you know, show her class. And the guard's like, no, get out of here. Uh, like, I don't care who's waiting on you. You got to get out of line. Mad respect. Yeah, this guard doesn't give two hoots about the Beifong name. Worked no, on the passport I- lady, but it won't work on this guard right here. Exactly. And this kind of makes sense because my guess is that, uh, you know, the Dai Li's a lot scarier than the Beifongs. That's... uh. That's my guess here. Yeah, I, I agree, honestly. I mean, and then Katara and Toph run into Long Fang, who seemingly helps them get inside after Katara makes up this white lie, but little did they know Long Fang was keeping tabs on them the whole time. Yeah. Um, sorry, there's another... Uh, I wonder what's going on. Anyway... Um, Somebody was the- smoking on the train, set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the green line is uh Yeah, the green line's help. burning up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, so we get introduced here to Long Fang, and Long Fang is gonna be in here for the next few episodes. He's the head of the Dai Li, as we'll find out in a bit. Uh but one thing that is just blowing my mind is who this actor is. So this is like a you know, a character that we'll see a few times. It's voiced by Clancy Brown. Zach, do you know who else Clancy Brown uh, voices? Is it Mr. Krabs? It's Mr. Krabs. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a talented actor, though. He was also in um, Shawshank Redemption, so he's yep. been around before. So, yeah, that- I mean, that's surprising. But, hey, he was working on another Nickelodeon show. They were able to just get him on, and look at that. Clancy Brown with the intimidating antagonist voice. I mean, I know that Mr. Krabs works his employees hard and he's like a little <laughs> bit greedy, but like the vibe of Mr. Krabs versus, um, versus like head of the Dai Li, like Long Fang is like a whole different kind of evil than Mr. Krabs. Like Mr. Krabs is like a little selfish. Long Fang's like pure evil. Nah, you're 100% right. And that's the thing. These voice actors are so versatile, I find. Like, yeah, even Gray yeah. Delil, going from, like, Vicky to Azula. Like, sure, Vicky and Azula are, like, different, are, like, similar evil characters. But in, in my opinion, they're pretty different. She does a great job with both of those voices. Yeah, or, or even, like, Daphne in so many of the Scooby-Doo films that uh, Felipe and I talk about. It's, like, every time I'm, like, that's wild. that That's, like, the same person that's, like, playing some evil characters, like, also solve mysteries. Yeah, um, but yeah. I guess voice actors are just talented. No, they're very much so. And it's you notice it's like a lot of the same voice actors on a lot of different shows. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, they they get into the party. We see the bear. The bear's just like chowing down. This is like Momo uh, at that <laughs> that place in Omashu, and Momo's just eating as much food as it can. Um, this bear's just chowing down here. He's and taking the- all the good stuff. That's my favorite line. Sorry to interrupt, but he's like, quiet. You don't know what I had to do, what, what I had to do to get seats this near the bear. Like, I don't know. This scene yeah. just had me cracking up. I don't know why. It's so stupid, but it just had me chore to like. No, I, I thought this was hilarious too. And we see the bear who we later find out is named Bosco, Bosco the bear. Uh, and he's just like chowing down. I would not want to sit next to the bear. I feel like you'd have to pay me a lot of money to have the seat next to the bear. Yeah, I would not want to sit next to the bear either. Because what if he gets a little hungrier with all the food in front of him and starts chowing down on some people? I don't know. Yeah. I would not want to be yeah. sitting close to the bear. I hear you. Um, but we get into the party. Long Fang introduces himself. Katara then like comes up with some names. Her alias for Toph is Dumb. Uh, which, like, I know that we make fun of, like, Mr. and Mrs. Fire from Sokka or, like, Pippin Pops- 
Pip and Papa's Galapagos. That's a hard name to say. Yeah, I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> anyway, but dumb, that's like one of the worst. It's, names. it's not dumb, it's dung, which is even worse. D U N G. So oh, it's dung. That is worse. Yeah, it is worse because dung, as we know in English, can is another term for poo, usually animal yep. feces. So yeah. And then Top immediately after being called dung grabs like one of katara's braids and yanks on it so she's obviously unhappy with being called dung yeah uh as i would be too um and but then they she like tries to give long fang this the like slip tries to be like oh yeah we'll find our family and he's like no like it'd be rude for me not to like you can't abandon you without finding your family like let's keep looking so they are a little bit trapped um, Aang and Sokka realize that they're probably not getting in there. They're hiding behind a lion uh, turtle statue, which I think was interesting. Um, but they realize they're not going to be able to get in there. So instead, they're going to uh, like decide to go in and be the busboys. They're going to like steal some jackets, I guess, and go around and serve some food. Is it not like a big tell that the busboys are 12 years old, or is that normal? Um, what do you mean by that? Like, would Sokka look too old to be a busboy? Is that what you're saying? Too young, I think. Like, uh, you oh, know, okay. Aang, like, Aang looks so young. I would expect it's like, why, why is the server, like, a child? Yeah, but it's bossing, say. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have child servants in this right, dystopian well, city, so. Segregation and child slaves. Wow, what a society. <laughs> we live in a society, yeah. Not a good one. Terrible. Um, anyway, they go back. We keep going back and forth between the fight between Zuko and Jet and Team Avatar sneaking in. I really think this does disservice to the fight because I know like we're doing the same thing in the podcast, but like it is like the fight is interesting, but it's broken up here in so many different pieces that some of the interesting things like get broken up and you don't really get to see it build and it loses its flow. What, what did you think about this fight getting broken up? I think you summed it up perfectly. I did not like them cutting away from this fight and then cutting back to it. Because this, if we got this fight in full, it would be a great fight. Like, I kind of want to watch the YouTube highlights of this fight Mm -hmm. rather than watching it, like, the way it is. Because, for example, they have this slow-mo matrix shot of, like, Zuko cutting the grain inside Jet's mouth. And I think this is a good fight. Honestly, I would rate, if they had this fight in just one chunk, I would rate it higher than what I am going to rate it, sadly. I, I totally agree with that because, like, we even have Jet, who's like that classic trash talker. Like uh, in the NBA, there's so many good examples, but it's like he's just like trash talking him. He's getting in his head. He's like, "Oh, I wish you could hit me with the fire blast right now." Um, and he's like joking around. We also have the thing where he takes his two hook swords and he swings both of them at once, which is like super cool. There's so many cool moments of this fight, but I feel like it just loses momentum every time um, because, yeah, we see like. Uh, we see them like fight and we see them go and they have a little more fighting here, but then we just go right back to team avatar, um, which is a little too bad. I feel like we lost the momentum. Yeah, no, I agree. And then Aang and Sokka bump into Katara and Sokka, but then they also, or Katara and Toph, but they also bump into Judy, who then, (laughs) Judy's just clumsy here. She just like shoves Sokka, who then bumps into Aang, who then drenches his tea all over a random party goer. Well, Judy has to realize, like, I am dead. Like, she like she knows, like, if I don't get out of this, like, I will die. So she, like, yes, she is a little bit clumsy, but, like, I don't know. When I get nervous, and, like, I'll get nervous about, like, being a minute late to work, or, like, if I, like, you know, might have said something a little bit rude to someone, 
Like that makes me get a little bit nervous. If I knew like death is impending, man, I'd be pushing people all out of the way. Nah, facts. And yeah, but death is impending here. And I love how when Aang airbends, he airbends to get the tea off this woman and reveals his identity as the avatar. And then the music slowly comes to a halt. And then mm-hmm. you see Judy's face go from her like contorted smile of like, uh, to like a look of horror as her smile like slowly dissipates and turns into a frown. I just love the musical cues and the way they like wrote this scene. It's excellent stuff. Yeah, it is really funny. The other thing is like Aang, um, like to reveal he's an airbender, like just absolutely like air dries the person. Like he's like one of those things that you get at like a public bathroom where you put your yeah. hand under it and it like blows hot air. Um, but it like immediately like smudges the makeup, like messes up the hair of this guest. And I guess it's like, oh my gosh, the avatar is here. That just shows how much pull Aang has. But I thought that was like a hilarious little bit. No, it was. And it's like, it's so crazy how even in this high society, the avatar is like seen as like higher than all of them because they're so excited to mingle with the avatar. Yeah. Yeah. One really cool thing. So the plan is like Aang is going to go like distract everyone. Sokka is going to try to find the king. Aang like takes the water out of the different cups and he creates like a globe that's like glowing in different colors. And it's so cool. Like, I don't know what he was doing, like what kind of waterbending it was, but that was really, really cool. I don't know how Katara taught him that well. I think it, it wasn't that it was it water in the cups. I thought it was like different colored drinks. So it was like a bunch mm. of like teas and stuff. And then each drink was a different color. And then he that was bending make, all of it. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I could be wrong, no. though. I could be wrong. No, I, I what you said, like, uh, is just like so. Yeah, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. Um we we go back quickly to this fight. This was really cool. I don't know why they were fighting back to back, but they end up like fighting back to back and then turning over one shoulder to strike and then turning over the other shoulder. And you kind of get this like circular dance that's going on here. It was very pretty to look at. I have to imagine that one of them could have fought better and like turned around and just like stabbed him, but it was pretty cool looking. Nah, it was. And then we get the line of this crazy kid attacked the finest tea maker in the city. And for <laughs> <laughs> and then Ira like blushes. He's like, oh shucks. And then, <laughs> and then Jet gets arrested while Smellerby and Longshot look on from the crowd. Which like brutal betrayal. Like I get that Smellerby and Longshot didn't want this to happen. They probably don't want to like it, you know, uh their whole minds washed as well. But it is a little bit sad here that they just like fade into the crowd as the Daily agents take Jet away. Yeah, it is. It's, it's sad. I feel I feel for Smellerby and Longshot. They tried to get Jet off of this path, but he was too steadfast and wouldn't listen to them. It's like when you have a friend who you know is going down not the best path and you're trying to pull them in and they're just not listening, not receptive to any criticism. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, we go back to the palace. We see uh, like so many guards walk in like 20 or 30 guards or something like it's a lot of people and we see the earth king and this is the first shot we see of the earth king uh what are your thoughts on this little nerd <laughs> well you have some thoughts so <laughs> just based on that two word description yeah the earth king is kind of a meek looking individual he just seems like a, i don't know just a weak looking guy just a, no- a normal or ordinary person though at the same time yeah, like, I think he, like, screams bureaucrat to me. Like, we see King of Amashu, Bumi, who, like, looks a little bit old, obviously, but, like, he's actually built, he's actually a great earthbender. And then we see this guy, and, like, you know, 
like honestly, he looks like he like he looks closer to me than like I look to Boomy, so I shouldn't be too harsh on him. But like <laughs> he's not what I would expect if I'm thinking like Earth King. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He must have been born into the role, is what it is. Oh, the, yes, yeah, like one hundred percent, he was definitely born into the role. Um, yeah, but so then we get like a, a bunch of people. Aang starts to approach them. As Aang approaches them, we start to see uh, the the Li agents start to take a few people out of the crowd. We see Sokka get taken away by a few Li agents, and then we see some of these weird-looking rock hands go to Katara and Toph and just, like, swoop them out of the way. And uh, this is pretty pretty smooth here. Yeah, the rock hands. That's some pretty interesting earthbending. I wouldn't have yeah. thought to like create ha- rock hands and just grab people with them. And they're able to do this subtly enough where nobody notices Katara, Toph, Sokka, and Aang just getting taken out of the crowd. Yeah, it's it's also a little bit weird that Toph doesn't recognize this. Like, I feel like she can typically see Earth in the air like when it's hurling towards her normally. Maybe she's just like not ready for it, but... I feel like if if uh, Toph was on her game, she would like feel the vibrations that she would like be able to feel the earth and like know like oh this is the trajectory. Yeah, I'm surprised Toph wasn't able to notice this either. That's a very astute observation on your part. I, I think I think she just got caught by surprise. That's my guess. Because um, because otherwise, like I feel like she was she would be on top of this. Um, but then like all of the people are taken away. Even Momo, who's hiding under a hat, is found. And then Long Fang introduces himself to the Avatar and says, Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, let's go talk. Uh, this is very intimidating here from Long Fang. Yeah, Clancy Brown's voice acting in this next upcoming scene is really good. I think the speech he gives is very dystopian is what it is. Yeah, and like mixing this with the jet like uh, interrogation slash brainwashing is like very, very interesting here. So we get into the library, we have Team Avatar and Long Fang talking. At the same time, we're also cutting behind, we're going to Jet, where uh, he's like being brought into a room, um, and like in this room there's a few Dai Li agents. And it's very interesting how they juxtapose this, and they show like the message that Long Fang is giving, as, lo- as well as like the sort of evil that the Dai Li is executing. Um, but yeah, so Team Avatar says, like, we have some important stuff for the Earth King, we know that there's like gonna be some important stuff. Uh, there's, yeah, there's some stuff here. And Long Fang's like, we don't have time for that. Like, uh, we have too many day-to-day activities. We have to protect the cultural heritage of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, and Long Fang here, it's like, Katara's the one who notes it. The king is just a figurehead. He's just your puppet. And then Long Fang is like, well, actually, it's not like that. But in reality, that's exactly what it is. The king doesn't do anything. He has no power. In reality, it's Long Fang and the Dai Li who control the city with an iron fist. Yep. And he says uh, here, like Long Fang says, that it's strict policy that the war is not mentioned within the walls. And then he says, constant news of an escalating war will throw the citizens of Bossing Sing into a panic. And at the same time, we see the Dai Li agents drag Jet into a room, making him sit on a stone chair, and then getting his hands cuffed. Uh, pretty intimidating stuff. A little scary. Yeah, and then the speech continues, because he says our economy would be ruined, our peaceful way of life, our traditions would disappear. And this is classic, like, totalitarian uh, dialogue, where it's like, oh, if you don't follow the law, and you don't follow every single rule to a T, the world will collapse. When in reality, it's like, a little, a little bit of anarchy didn't help anyone. You don't want to live in a purely totalitarian <laughs> society. 
that that might be your hottest take ever. A little bit of anarchy didn't hurt anyone. A tiny bit. A tiny Just bit. Just a tiny, a skosh. I a mean, skosh some, of some anarchy. Pro, some protests here and there. A little I, anti-government. Look, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I a think pinch. It's a pinch. A pinch a of pinch. anarchy. A hint. A hint, if you will. A smidgen. Just just one little note of anarchy here in the government. Exactly, exactly. All the food metaphors coming together. Um, but yeah, so then they're talking, like, we cut, we start cutting back between this, uh, like, Jet getting this, uh, this message drilled into him that there's no war within the walls. There's no war in Bossing Say. And we see, like, there's this light that goes between them. And they do a cool thing where as the light goes through and, like, swings again, we cut back to Long Feng. And it's like constantly like showing this two things, and the two scenes are building and building together. Yeah, I really like how the the episode shows Jet being brainwashed, interspliced with Long Feng giving this speech. Mm-hmm. Really good, uh, really good storytelling mechanic for sure. Uh, and then one, like I think probably one of the most evil things that Long Feng here says is he's like, "Look, you've been our guest here. Like you, uh, like you're trying to you know fit in." And as long as you do that, like, that's fine. But now you're going to be watched by the Daily agents. Like, you will be uh, under surveillance. And uh, we know you're looking for your bison. And hopefully you can find it. Hint, hint, wink, wink. That's just, uh, yeah. L- little intimidation here from Long Fang. Yeah, a little intimidation tactic. Hopefully it doesn't work on our gang. And- yeah. Yeah. My, my guess is it doesn't. Um, but then we see, <laughs> last thing we see is Judy walk in. This is not the Judy that we know. This is a this is a slight replacement. Uh and Katara immediately spots it and is like, What happened to Judy? And uh we hear, I am Judy. I'll be your host as long as you're in our wonderful city. Back to the a cheerful one. Uh and then we fade to credits in one of the most creepy exits of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a creep very creepo depot end to the episode, to use <laughs> your term from earlier. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there you go. That is the episode. That is the city of walls and secrets. Lots of walls, lots of secrets. Yeah, I, I like this episode a lot. Well, what are your thoughts on this episode? I agree. I I like this episode. I think that it's really fun. I feel like this sort of like politics and like inner turmoil and it's like how will this work out is so interesting. Like I feel like we could get a whole serial season on this or like an entire season of invisibility, invisibilia or some other podcast to like dive into like what was the history of the city like can we under un- uncover anything interesting here i thought this was super interesting yeah i agree and just like like i said earlier just showing the dark underbelly of the earth kingdom was really cool i like how the earth kingdom is not just all sunshine and rainbows there is a dark undertone to it and uh yeah, yeah. just the, the reveal at the end that judy is like nurse joy from pokemon and there's just a million of her ready to be <laughs> disposed in any circumstance i thought it was really funny too or and a great storytelling mechanic yeah and for so long it's been like very black and white it's like okay we we fight the fire nation because we're the avatar team the avatar team does not want the fire nation to win because they're evil and now it's like kind of messing with that narrative a little bit it's like yes uh team avatar wants to fight the fire nation there's like a new type of adversary and this type of adversary is not so black and white. It's like often uh 50 shades of gray. Yeah, no, that's a ex- excellent way to put it. I completely agree. Yeah. So uh, you want to jump into our episode ranking, Zach? Let's do it up. Sweet. So every week we rank the episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. 
We take my ranking, Zach's ranking, and your ranking, the listeners, and we average them between zero and four cabbages. As always, you can write in to avatar at postshowrecaps.com with your ranking to be included in our ranking of the episode so we can get more feedback. Zach, you want to start us off this week? Yeah, I'm going to give this episode a 3.5 out of 4. You know no. what? We are in sync, Zach. We're we're crushing it today. Uh, that that's also my score. But let's explain your score just a little bit more. Yeah, I'll explain it. So basically, what knocks it down a little bit? I really like the A side story. I think the B side story, just the cutting back and forth with the fight, hurt it. And also, it's like stalker jet. I don't know. I just felt like <laughs> depressed almost. One, I didn't feel amused watching the downfall of Jet. It's just like I always thought Jet kind of got a raw deal, and I always feel sympathy for him. So. Yeah, I, that kind of knocks it down a little bit for me, but 3.5 out of 4, still solid score overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. 3.5 out of 4 for me as well. I think we get most of the cabbages in this episode. I think we have some pretty interesting characters. Like, I think the Judy stuff is funny. I think we, like, when she's, like, making jokes behind their head, uh, like, you know, saying, like, or she's, like, uh, you know, making faces behind their head. I think those are lead to some funny jokes. We have, like, some Momo bits that I think are good. But yeah, like, I don't know. I really do like this tea shop narrative. I think this tea shop narrative is really interesting, but I think that it starts off a little slow, and I think that the pacing and the cutting between it holds it back a little bit. The listeners of the oh, so that's why I'm at three point five. The listeners of this episode are pretty low. Uh, I would say at a three point one eight. Whoa, um, the listeners! That's crazy to me. Y'all are hella low on this episode. That's that's yeah, insane. I, I think maybe like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about it too, like game theoretic or something. But like people know, like the next episode is like Tales of Bossing Say. That's a great episode. Maybe people like if they were looking ahead, they're like, okay, I can't rate this one too high because I know the next week is just a, a banger. So guess, maybe that's it. I guess. I guess. Um, but that'll leave this episode at a three point three nine. All right. So, now, do we jump into our fight rankings? Battle of the battles. Yeah, let's get into our battle of the battles. Same thing as we do um, for the episode rankings, but here we are talking about the battles. The interesting battle of this week is the Jet versus Zuko. You want to start us off on this one again, Zach? Yeah, I'll give this a round three out of four. Honestly, I would be way higher on it if they didn't do the cutting back and forth. I thought it kind of sucked the momentum out of it, as you were saying. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a three point, or no, a three out of four. That's my score. Yeah, I, I think this is like, so close to being what I want. So I'm, I'm going to give it a 3.15 just because it's so close to what I want it to be. Like it has some really interesting moments. I feel like when they're fighting back to back and they're going at it, that's like, it's pretty cool to watch them fight. And I think like when uh jet takes his two swords and like swings them back and forth towards each other, that's like also pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. So I think it has like so much potential. Just like, the the pacing of it's just like uh, uh like it's stop and start so there you go 3.08 for this fight um yeah uh as always you can write in avatar at postshowrecaps.com um thank you so much for writing in we have one listener question this week zach it's from john john was asking about uh the like the city bossing say and he was, he's pretty down on the city. He was asking, would you rather live in Bossing Say in the lower ring or be captured by the Fire Nation? 
I think I'd rather live in the lower ring because like in any capitalist society, you just have to try to like rise, grind and shine kind of like Iroh does. So at least there's room for like maneuvering and getting a better job and going. Whereas if you're captured by the Fire Nation, we saw how they treat prisoners of war. We saw how they treated um, Tyro and Haru on that mm-hmm. ship. So I do not think I would want to be captured by the Fire Nation. Rather, I, I would rather live in the lower ring. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that I would probably make it out of the lower ring if I was put there. You know, I don't have a master tea recipe. I'm probably uh, no, not, me neither, like- <laughs> me neither. But it's just like yeah. the fact that there's like a one percent chance you could make it out of there. Whereas with the Fire Nation being captured by them, I think it's even less than that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at like imprisoned, it's just so brutal. Like, yeah, it's bad. But like imprisoned was way worse. I mean. Or even, like, the Boiling Rock prison that we'll get in Season 3. Like, Oh, man, that's so with May's dad, yeah. Yeah, so many things I would not want to do. So I would say, like, uh, you know, put me in Omashu any day. Even put me in that, like, Misty Palms Oasis place. Uh, but, yeah, don't put me in a Fire Nation prison. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not going to no Fire Nation prison either. <laughs> I wouldn't last a day in there. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would not do very well there. Um, but there you go. That is all we have for you this week. Next week, we have a really special episode, an episode that like really is just is just so great in so many ways. It's the Tales of Bossing Say, uh, an amazing episode. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Please do write in avatar at postshowrecaps.com or tweet at us at postshowrecaps because there's so much interesting stuff to discuss. And I'd love to hear what you are interested in. Yeah, and if you're writing in, try to write in before Friday or, like, Saturday, usually. We usually record Saturday, Sunday, so always try to write in before then, so before the weekend, ideally. And we love all the feedback we get from you guys. You can also leave us a five-star review, postyourrecaps.com slash ATLA. Is that the correct link? Yep. Yep, that's... uh, Okay, just making sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no worries. Uh, Um, Cool, yeah. Uh, Zach, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at ZachMohammed32. And where can they find you, Jacob? People can find me on Twitter at JK Redman, or you can listen to me and Felipe talk about uh, Scooby Doo movies over on the Brazilian Dragon podcast. And uh, I know that Dai Li probably wouldn't be happy about me, uh, happy about me saying this, but happy Pride Month. Um, you know, June is Pride Month. So uh, yeah, go celebrate. Have some. Yeah, fun. happy Pride Month. Shout out to all the Pride. People celebrating pride out there. I almost yeah. said pride people. My apologies. Pride people. I mean, everyone's a pride person, right? <laughs> true, uh, true, true. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, there we go. Um, yep, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, check back next week with the Tales of Bossing say, you know, I'll already spoil it, a four out of four episode. So yeah, 100% a four out of four episode. I agree. Completely. So awesome. there you go. Uh, until next time, see ya. Peace out, everybody.